What's up, everybody? This is TJ Reed, and you are listening to Vitamin Lead, your healthy dose of leadership. We are on a mission to help you develop consistency, a thriving career, and to find company for the journey as a leader. Join us and leaders from over 300 cities around the world as we now dive into Vitamin Lead, your healthy dose of leadership. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Vitamin Lead, your healthy dose of leadership. I'm your host, TJ Reed, and I am so excited to have with me today, Lori Palau. Lori, how are you doing? I am doing great. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you for being our guest on Vitamin Lead. Of course. I love being on the other side of the podcast mic, so this will be fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, Lori, uh, we've, we've kind of gone over your bio with our folks already, uh, but I would love if you could just share a little bit about yourself with our audience here. Um, okay. So personally, uh, I'm a mom. I have two grown kids, so I am clearly not um, a millennial um, as most of your audience is, but I have a lot of millennials that I work with and that I partner with. Um, personally speaking, I also am a huge coffee drinker. I love coffee. Um, and I love Tito's vodka. That's a little bit about me. So if you want to, if you ever see me out and you want to get me coffee or Tito's, that's, that's my jam. Um, you do them together, the coffee and the vodka? No, I don't. I mean, I think I, I try, I try to separate church okay, and state, that's good. you know, um, professionally speaking, I, I started my business as a professional organizer going in and helping people one-on-one. -on -one. And then I pivoted the business over the years. I'm giving you the super cliff notes version or sure. um, that I now, although I do still see clients, but I do a lot of speaking and mentorship and leadership for other people that are starting in the industry, because especially in my field, specifically, you don't need a whole heck of a lot of training officially to start in this business. Sure. If you have a passion, if you have a knack, um, it's pretty easy to kind of hang up your shingle, so to speak. But what I found in my industry specifically is a lot of people have the, the talent and the passion, but they didn't necessarily have the business acumen. So hmm. I try to help them fill in the gaps, running the business side of the business so that they can focus in on doing the stuff that they're really good and passionate about. So that's, and I also am a podcaster as well. So um, I talk about organizing and decluttering and how it provides freedom for people. That's awesome. I love hearing that. Do you, do you find that uh, people that uh, are interested in this, are they a certain personality type uh, that, that get drawn into this? You know, it's very funny that you asked that. So the short answer um, is no, I actually, okay. and I do a lot of stuff. So I'm more interested in the why, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that in the, in the show. My approach is really kind of getting to the root of the clutter. I like to pretend like I'm a psychologist, even okay. though I'm really not. Um, but I have done a lot of work studying both the Enneagram and hmm. Myers-Briggs. So I was just quick side note. I was an executive recruiter in my past life. So oh, okay. I, have always been very interested in motivation and what drives people to make change. And so back in the day, I had done a lot of Myers-Briggs work because professionally that was what a lot of people were doing. And in the past few years, I've gotten very, um, I've gotten a lot further into the Enneagram and studying not just my own number and kind of where I fall in the spectrum, but just looking at numbers and how that relates to people's relationship with clutter. Hmm. And so I haven't, and I'm, I'm 
actually doing a, a pretty big research study project on personality type and clutter. Huh. And I have not yet found like a specific type is this. I see certain trends and what it's allowed me to do is kind of temper my approach based on how people respond and receive information to know what's going to resonate with them. But I, it's not like all type A people are X or right. all people that struggle with clutter are another type. That's why I think the, the Enneagram is probably so important because like it all depends on how you're wired, but also where you go when you're stressed out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that plays a huge role. And again, not to make it a podcast about Enneagrams, but if your people are Enneagram listeners, I think yeah. for, for what I, in my very preliminary studies have gone to show is I think it has less to do with your actual number and more to do with your stance, kind mm -hmm. of where your orientation of time is and how you process. Are you more future oriented or past oriented? And um, it'll make a little bit more sense when I kind of talk a, a little bit about kind of my approach to clutter, but so that's where I am. So just, you know, cool. have to look out for, for some, some project on the horizon about the Enneagram and clutter. So, okay. So last Enneagram question, what Enneagram yeah. number are you? Okay. So I'm going to, I'll happily tell you, but I'm just always curious. What do you think just by our brief five minute I, conversation? I don't know. My, my wife is so super into it and I just okay. usually trust her what she says. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I will, um, I will tell you, I am an eight. I am as um, well. No, you're not. Yes, I am. You are? Yeah. Uh, we may have to take a sidebar and do another conversation just about the Enneagram. You don't strike me as an eight. You seem yeah. way too mellow as, as an eight. <laughs> it, um, all, all the people listening that know me at work, they're like, no, 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 you're missing it. He's an eight. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I always say I'm an eight. Sorry, not sorry. Now, are you a Myers-Briggs person as well? I'm an ENTJ on the Myers-Briggs. So am I. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's like looking in a mirror. I think we just found each other. So there's uh, Oh my gosh. Fate. It is fate. So, okay. So yes. Yeah, so that is, so obviously I'm a pretty straight shooter, pretty direct and it yeah. goes well a lot in the, in what I do and how I work with people. I also have an assistant who okay. is not into the Enneagram and I keep trying to get her to get more into it. She's, but she, I, I have my suspicions of kind of what her number is, but sure. I, you know, to type people. My point is she is a little more mild mannered and I always say like, she's the good cop, I'm the bad cop when we're on site. But I think from when people are looking for an accountability partner, sure. I'm a good person because I try to come with kindness. It doesn't always translate or right. it's not always perceived that way um, because of my directness. Uh, but it has really helped me both I think in a leadership role, as I mentor people in the industry, as well as when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with clients, because it allows me to say, you know, give people permission to do things because I feel like I've paved the path for them. Yeah. That's cool. So we could talk Enneagram all day long, but I don't know yeah. if your listeners want to hear that. So we'll do some bonus content on the Enneagram <laughs> Perfect. later or something Perfect. like that. I'm all about it. So you started as a professional organizer. What was yeah. the most surprising to you as you worked in people's homes or in their office spaces or whatever? So I think there were a couple things. And I think for one thing is I really kind of took for granted certain things, and I don't mean this to sound obnoxious, but certain things that seemed very common sense to me and came very easily to me in terms of kind of just the 
procedural processing of, of where to put things or what to do with things. Um, like very basic things seemed for somebody that struggles with that, hmm. that was completely foreign. So I was pleasantly surprised at with, with some people how easy it was to just really make a quick impact with something yeah. that again, for me, I was like, well, why don't you just do this? And again, it was just something that came very intuitively to me. But I, what I found, and this is what I've translated through the years, through my book and the podcast and everything, is really there's a lot of shame that people have, um, a lot of overwhelm. And I think, you know, when I talk about, I've kind of break down different types of clutter to make it more manageable. And I think once you can identify something, it makes it easier than to try to find a solution yeah. for it. So once you can say, okay, first of all, you don't have to have that shame or you don't have to have that overwhelm, or I understand you're feeling overwhelmed, but let's kind of break down how we can navigate through this and providing people that roadmap. I think that makes a huge difference. Is it, is it, you got to kind of get that early win with them. So they see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, I think like anything, right. I mean, you can accredit it to working out or eating healthy or, you know, whatever you're trying to do, you always want to start to feel wins. I always say, you know, you, if you go to the gym and you spend two hours at the gym and you have no idea really what you're doing, like your intentions are good. I'm there and you want to be doing stuff. You don't really know what exercises work, what muscle groups and you know how to do it and you're there and you're doing things and you're kind of going through the motions but you're not seeing any results you're going to very easily feel defeated and just be like forget this it's a waste of my time yeah but if you can go and say okay i know if i work strategically for 20 minutes and i do a little bit of this and i do a little bit of that and i'm going to start to see incremental wins then you continue that motivation to want to keep going So that's how I try to approach it. And I always tell people, by the time people call me, they usually kind of hit their wall. So I always say, you're cluttered and accumulate overnight. Don't expect it to just go away. Um, And that's the other thing. I mean, I started my business back in 2009. And that was like at the height of when HGTV was like really like Mm. coming on. And everyone thought I was going to come in with like, you know, Ty Pennington and like five, like a team of contractors and could whip their shape, their house into shape in 22 minutes. And I was like, it doesn't work that way, you know? Yeah. And so it, it's a process. And once you can kind of articulate that to people and get them on board and get that momentum happening, then that's when they start to see results. And that's when they start to, that's when the change starts to happen. Hmm. So like, uh, I think I read the, the three kind of main areas you focus on are the physical, emotional, and calendar clutter. Is that yes. right? Yes. So I started looking at trends when okay. I would talk to people very early on when I started, um, when I started my business, I started saying, you know what, let me try to see if there's any kind of patterns. And so I started looking at where people physical clutter comes from. Because I think when we hear the word clutter, it conjures up this image for most of us. Toys on the floor, laundry, dishes in the sink, piles of paper. You know, that's really what we think of when we think of clutter. And that's absolutely 100% true. But I think we have to look at where that clutter comes from and what's the driving force. So I always think clutter is, clutter is just a symptom, right? Mm. It's just the symptom. And so it's like saying a headache. So, okay, we have a headache, but is it? coming because you need glasses? Is it coming because 
you know, you have something serious going on? Do you have a migraine? Like what's your, what's the root cause? So I started doing a deeper dive into, okay, so what's driving this physical clutter? Mm. And so I came into kind of three different main camps, if you will, the physical, which is usually a result of just volume. Like you have more stuff than space. Like whether it's somebody likes to shop, you have too many toys and you don't have enough space. You have too many tools and you don't have a big enough garage, whatever it is, you can kind of fill in the blank. So it's a volume issue. Yeah. Or it could also result from just not having the efficient system. So let's just say, you know, you like to fold your clothes, but your closet is just one straight hanging bar. You're going to have piles of stuff laid around. So maybe if you had the proper system, you wouldn't have as much clutter. So that's mm. really like physical clutter in its most basic sense kind of boils down to one of those two reasons. Sure. Where I think it starts to get a little bit more intricate is when you look at emotional clutter. Now, emotional clutter really results in my opinion from either guilt or fear so okay. just some examples would be my kid made this for me i can't get rid of it so and so gave this to me and you know even though i don't like it i should you know my aunt gave this to me as a housewarming gift and i should keep it because um or I spent a lot of money. I see this a lot and I'm not trying to stereotype. I just happen to be in women's closets a lot. You sure. know, I spent a lot of money on these shoes or these jeans or whatever, and they don't fit me or they're uncomfortable or I don't like them, but I spent a lot of money. So I have guilt getting rid of them. So I'm going to hold on to them. So, mm -hmm. so the guilt or the fear, right? And the interesting thing is fear I see a lot with paper clutter. Like a lot of times people are afraid, what if I need this? That what if? What if mm -hmm. I need it? What if I need it and I don't have it? And so having those, that guilt or fear on like either side of your shoulder will then paralyze you resulting in the physical clutter. So mm. you're like, I don't know what to do. So I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to like sit with it. And that when ends up becoming clutter. And then calendar clutter is, and I think, you know, a lot of your audience can probably relate to this. And I think most busy professionals can relate to this is just being overscheduled, overextended, you know, yeah. nowadays in this, you know, in the world that we live in, there's no defined start and end times. You know, we all joke about the nine to five, but it's really just like an air quotes at this point. And, you know, with technology and working with people all over the globe, it's very difficult to be able to shut things off. Um, and then as a parent, knowing, you know, my kids are a little bit older, but running them around from, especially if you have smaller kids, running them around from activity to activity and trying to do all the things, it doesn't allow you the time to be able to spend, to put away the laundry, to open the mail, to put away the toys. Because if your kids are coming home from school, you're shoving the food down their throat and they're running out to soccer, gymnastics, wherever, and then you come home and it's bath time and all the things, then you're just, you're just drained. Or even if you don't have kids and you're working and then you're volunteering and you're doing this and you're going to this networking event and whatever, and then you come home and you're just exhausted and drained. Yeah. So you just don't have the time. So which will then result in the physical clutter. So when I look at a space, I try to ask probing questions to get an idea of kind of what's your life like? Tell me a little bit about your situation because that will allow me to direct, okay, 
what are the strategies that you're going to use based on which is their dominant source of clutter? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. Is, is, that, is the calendar one, does that also seem to be driven by guilt and shame? I, I would imagine that. Well, you know, in a different way. You know, yeah. um, I think, again, there's this underlying keeping up with the Joneses where people feel like, uh, I have to keep my kid in this because then they're going to fall behind or I need to say yes to everything, you know? Right. Um, and so there's definitely some guilt associated with that for sure. Um, but I think it, you really just have to like, kind of look at, is it guilt because you care what people think or like, kind of like, again, just continue to do, ask those probing questions, like peeling back the layers of like, well, why do you feel that you need to volunteer to chair, you know, 10 things. And this is like, hello, that's my, my dominant source of clutter is calendar clutter, you know? Mm. And that's something that is a work, constant work in progress. So I am continually having that narrative with myself in terms of, okay, all right, my tendency, because I'm an eight and I'm an ENTJ and I like to lead and I know I can, I know I can do things and you don't well, want to be led actually, by somebody that can't do it as well. Well, I know I can do it and I know I can do it well. Yeah. So I'm just like, let me just do it, you know? Yeah. And I am a good, I am good at delegating, but sure. I just want to find the most efficient way to do it. So um, I'm also not afraid of people saying no. Like I'm not afraid. A lot of people are afraid of making a mistake and they're just timid and, you know, their personality is just different. So I'm like, I'll just take it. I don't care what people think. Um, right. So, but what happens then is my life starts to feel hectic and then I mm. feel stressed and I feel overwhelmed. And even though I might not have you know, tons of dishes overflowing, there's other, like the stress creeps out in other ways. So the calendar clutter is still, it's still there. So, what, so what do you do when you feel like you've kind of like overcommitted yourself in those circumstances? Do you just have to break commitments or what, how do you approach that? Um, well, I drink a lot at night okay. by myself. <laughs> um, I have got, well, my husband might disagree, but I will say I've gotten better at prioritizing okay. what I take on when and saying, for some, and for some people that are doers and want to get involved and want to do multiple things, I think it's okay to have like, it doesn't have to be yes or no, it could be not now. And right. that's something that I've, said, or I've said, I can consult and help you, but I can't necessarily run this. I can get involved and I can weigh in uh, because I have a track record. I may, you know, have a track record of success in a particular area. So just to give you like an uh, example. So I run a pretty large charity event that's taking place actually, well, by the time this airs, it'll have taken place, but in real time, it's going to, it's going to take place in two weeks. There's like a thousand people is our sixth year doing it where it's, it's huge. It's for pediatric cancer research. Wow. So there's a lot of moving parts and I have a great team, but I kind of spearhead the team. And so naturally when things, other people want to get involved in doing things in the community, a lot of times they will ask me, my opinion or how I did this. And I'm always happy to answer, but then the next natural thing is, well, will you come to our committee meeting or will you come here? And I've had to set those boundaries of saying, listen, I really would love to, but I just, you know, I, I try to be a present mom. 
opt or try, you know, yep. pre- you know, I try to be a present mom. I'm involved in my community. I'm involved in my church. I have a business like, so I can only say yes before I'm spreading myself too thin. So not right. now or kind of reframing it of how you can help people or get involved, I think has been great. And it's, um, it's a work in progress for sure. I like that. That's a good tool, but not now. That's something yeah. that I need to do better at. I think yes. that's a good one. Um, yeah. So you wrote the book Hot Mess, A Practical Guide to Getting Organized. Can you tell us a little bit about that book? So I wanted to write a sort of, I call it like a little survival guide. It's, you know, a couple hundred pages, but it's broken down into three sections that are pretty digestible. Okay. And much like we talked about, the first section is dedicated to clutter, identifying what that is, talking about the three different types and getting people to think a little bit about the why, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I think what happens is a lot of times people will just hit their breaking point and trip over that toy or can't find the whatever, fill in the blank, and they just dive right in and just say, that's it, I'm gonna like, without a plan, without a strategy, they're just being reactive. And so what I try to do in the book is break it into the three sections. The first one is kind of like understanding what is clutter and why is it damaging, right? So I talk about these main five clutter pitfalls, which we won't do a deep dive into just for time, but sure. it talks about procrastination, indecision, guilt, overwhelm, and time. So it kind of talks about all of the it's if you like picture like a clock, those five different pitfalls and you can have, and much like your dominant source of clutter, some people more naturally are procrastinators. Some people are more naturally, you know, riddled with guilt. Some, you know, so I think Hmm. looking at this and start to having it resonate going, yeah, that kind of sounds like me. That's something, these are the traps I fall into. Hmm. You know, it's the, having that awareness, that self-awareness that a lot of times, especially when it comes to something like clutter, you're not really thinking about, you're thinking about the, the action, you're thinking about the toy, you're thinking about the dish, you're thinking about the pile of paper, not the, why don't I open my mail? Why do I have piles of mail sitting there? So the first section is dedicated to the clutter. And then the second part is all about strategy. So I don't just want to say, okay, here's something to think about and go on your merry way. I want to then give you an action steps to be able to then navigate through it. Because I think what I, I, you had asked at the top of the episode, kind of one of the things that surprised me. And one of the things that really surprised me in a good way was that most of the people that I deal with, at least, they wanted to change. They were, they were not people that were hoarders or chronically disorganized. They were just busy people that didn't have the tools and the strategies to be able to get themselves kind of out of the hole that they are in. Yeah. And so once I was able to provide that roadmap for them, then yes, of course it's practice, but they felt empowered to do it. And so the second part of the book is really dedicated to strategy. Hmm. And then the third part of the book is broken down room by room. So I always encourage people, if you're going to read the book, read the first two chapters, you know, in, or the first two sections in order. And then the third one, you could bop around as a resource guide. So if you live in an apartment, you might not want to read the chapter on basements or garages because it might not apply to you. Um, But so the, or you can, you know, you can read all the different areas, but it's nice because it doesn't only help you identify sort of like the Enneagram. It's not only telling you about yourself, but if you live with other people or you work with other people and you start to say, oh, I might struggle with calendar clutter, but 
my spouse might struggle with emotional clutter. Mm -hmm. And it gives you a little bit of grace and understanding that, okay, people that struggle with emotional clutter, they're not necessarily just procrastinating for the sake of procrastinating, but they really have a stronghold that is holding them back and they need to kind of talk through it to be able to get to the point where they feel empowered to make that change. You know, mm -hmm. me just coming in there and going, you're so what your kid made that picture there there's 10 of them like that you know and being very systematic for somebody that struggles with emotional clutter that's a really hard pill to swallow yeah. so just having that understanding and that foundation not just for yourself but for the people in your world like in your inner circle i think is really important and it's a great tool for communication i love that that's really good thanks <laughs> Okay, so I have one more question for you and yeah. then I want you to share with our listeners how they can connect with you after that. Yeah. Um, our, our tagline for Vitamin Lead is your healthy dose of leadership. And so I always like to ask people, how do you define healthy leadership? Um, so I think, first of all, be, and this may sound really like corny, but I think being authentic, right? Yeah. I we live in this world that is very two-dimensional with social media and email marketing, and we can kind of put whatever image out there that we want behind our screens and cameras and portray that. And that doesn't always necessarily translate into kind of what's going on. And I know for me, you know, there's a fine line between self-deprecation and just being honest. Yeah. And I think being able to share your, you know, where you've struggled and showing a little bit of vulnerability is very impactful as a leader. And it's something that I've tried to do and saying, I don't have all the answers, but being open to saying, I'm a good listener and I want to hear your problem and not just come in here and try to solve a problem. And I learned that just through working with my organizing clients. When I first started organizing, I would go into somebody's house and I'd like see a pile of papers on the, you know, on the kitchen counter and want to fix it. And they called me there to help them with their master closet. And that pile of paper isn't bothering them. And so I've learned over time to say, what's your pain point? Because what's a trigger for me might not be a trigger for somebody else. And so translating that into leadership, you know, somebody might not want my help in a certain area. So where do you feel that you could use some guidance? Where do you feel like that you could use a mentor? Where do you feel like that you could use some additional assistance? And let me help in there as opposed to offering help where it's really not warranted. Yeah. And as an ENTJ eight, that is not always easy. I know. I, I continue <laughs> to find myself going back to Brene Brown and others to remind yes. myself that I, I don't need to be that for everybody. So yes, yes, it is. I have, it's not my job to fix people. It's not my job to, you know, it, it, just, just listen and simmer down a little. <laughs> I am hearing you there. Okay. So uh, how can our listeners connect with you, your podcast, your book, uh, anything else like that? So if you want to find all things Lori Palau, go to my website, which is simply the letter B like boy organized.com. From there, you can connect up. Um, my podcast is called This Organized Life, and you can find it anywhere you get podcasts. Um, obviously, the book, Hot Mess, um, which you can get anywhere. And I'm on social media all over at Simply Be Organized. But again, all things simply be organized.com. That's awesome. Well, we'll make sure to put this in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but thank you, Lori, for taking some time to talk to us and oh, good luck you. on your event here in two weeks. 
Thank you so much. I will need it. I appreciate it. Good. Well, we'll have to have you back again so we can talk some Enneagram stuff as you do more research. Yay, definitely. All right. Take care. Thanks so much. Thank you, Lori. Bye-bye.